the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jules Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson, Jake Galley, and crunching numbers in the back, we got Stat Matt. This past week in sports, Chris Sale will miss the rest of the season with an elbow injury. DeMarcus Cousins tears his ACL and will miss the entire upcoming NBA season. The Little League World Series started this past week in Williamsport, PA. The Cowboys and linebacker Jalen Smith reach an agreement on a six-year, $68 million contract extension. Here's a fact straight at you. Last year, Le'Veon Bell's ADP was three in 12 team points per reception leagues. Is Zeke Elliott worth the draft risk? I mean, I guess the basic question is here right now, how long do you think or do you think Zeke's holdout will go into the season or deep into the season? I think that kind of is tied into how well will the Cowboys do in those first couple games like if the Cowboys start 0 for 2 I guarantee you Zeke's getting a phone call from Jerry Jones saying all right how much do you want really because if I'm Zeke and I pick up the phone oh you know who I am now right because I think because right now you're right I think it's half of that and it also boils down to the relationship that's ongoing with him and Jerry Jones right now because I think that whole Zeke who comment and everything that's transpired up until this point in the first couple weeks of preseason are driving a wedge further and further between Zeke and Jerry Jones or the Cowboys organization as a whole and I think that's just driving them more towards a holdout Um, because I mean do you think Zeke is wrong I think Zeke deserves the money he's asking for. I mean, look, look, I I really don't have a problem with guys trying to get their correct market value. But at the same time, I mean, it's a really tough situation because when you're a running back, you could say, do what Malcolm Jenkins did. You can complain, hold out, and then once it becomes mandatory, show up, be with your team, play the season. But when you're a running back and you touch the ball 300 times, if you have a big injury, you go from possibly making $12 million a year when you get your new deal to making two or three once you come back from that major injury right so it's a really tough position to be in I don't know and also on the same front like what do we make of the Cowboys giving Jalen Smith who by the way has had yeah granted he's looked great in his NFL career but had a really big injury to start his career people didn't think he, this man was not I didn't, right. he was a great player yeah. and he ended up getting taken I think in the second round by Dallas he came back from nerve damage in his knee now he's getting paid 11 million dollars per year I don't have the exact number of what Zeke is asking, but I have to imagine it's a little north of that. So you could view this as them putting the pieces in place so they know what they have to work with with the Zeke contract, or you could view it as, look, we're moving on to the guys who are here. The guys who are here are going to get extended. I mean, I, it could be that. There's also their, their quarterback, Dak Prescott, is asking for <laughs> an, an absolutely egregious contract too. So that's also, you know, that could be Jerry saying, you know, we have money for Zeke, we have money for Jalen Smith, but Dak, you're going to have to lower your asking price a little bit. Um, to me, it's all, it all boils down to, do you think Zeke plays before week six of the NFL season? Because that's where Dallas has probably like one of their softest stretches on defenses. And after that, Zeke's value really goes down in terms of fantasy. If we break this down week by week, week one, they open up with the Giants, who are, are, are a really soft defense. Everyone knows that. They were 18th in adjusted line yards allowed. And, and what that stat basically means for all our listeners is offensive line gets assigned a percentage or, or you know a responsibility if you want to say for the amount of yardage a ball carrier has on a down they get a certain amount of percentage for zero to five yards five to ten and, and then 11 plus mm-hmm. um and the giants rank middle to latter tier in that um so that's a soft an easy win, you know, for the Eagles uh, or uh, for the Eagles. I'm sorry, for the Cowboys. Got the Eagles on your mind. Yeah, the Eagles, Eagles on your mind. Right. <laughs> the stupid jersey on. I, I hate this. Um, if you when you go from then weeks two and three, um, they get two more soft defenses defenses in the Redskins. Um, and the Dolphins, who both rank 29th and 16th respectively in that same category. Then week four, they go on the road to the Saints. That's a tough defense. You know, it's a that's, tough team in that's general. A, that's a tough team in right. general. So, you know, that's kind of a wash there. Then week five, they go against the Packers, who rank third lowest in quote-unquote stuff rate, um, which is the – right, that's your beloved Packers <laughs> right there. Your soft, your soft defense, soft and cheese. And, and, and they – 
chunked Mike Daniels. They cut Mike Daniels. Right. So, so that makes it even worse. Stuffer. So the 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 stuffer is the percentage of time a ball carrier stopped at or before at or before the line of scrimmage. Uh, the Packers are third lowest in the league at that. Then you go week six against the Jets, uh, who are 21st in defensive adjusted DVOA. Stat Matt's specialty of a stat <laughs> over there. So that all that basically to say that if Zeke doesn't come back before these six games, his fantasy point value, his fantasy stock drops drops tremendously to the point where after that you're looking at he's on par with running backs like Aaron Jones. So if you think truly that Zeke is going to come back before these games, I think he's worth the risk. If you, in your mind, and, it, and now it's subjectively, just if you yourself, when you're drafting your fantasy, think, oh, I think this holdout is going for much longer into the season, even into weeks four or five, then you don't take that risk. But personally, I'm taking the risk. Right. And, and, I mean, last year, we saw with Le'Veon Bell. He was average draft position of three in 12-team leagues, even though he was going through a very similar process. Granted, no one had done what he had done before. Now, right. once in the post-Lev Bell holdout era, these things are taken much more seriously. Now, to me, what I look at, uh, and especially when you look at it from a fantasy perspective, and I've said this a few times on the show, it's from Matthew Barry. It's a good quote. He's obviously one of the best fantasy minds out there. Right. You can't win your draft in the first round, but you can lose it in the first round. So... For me, when I'm looking at Zeke, would I be better off picking if I'm, you know, fourth or fifth, which if Zeke is healthy, he probably goes anywhere from first, second, third, fourth, somewhere in the top five. And if I'm sitting there, am I going to pick Zeke? No, I'm probably going to take another guy. Now, even if I'm eight, nine in that back end of the draft area, am I taking Zeke or am I taking Devontae Adams? Now you're a wide you, receiver, right. right. So you, you probably still opt for the safe option. And to, what, what really plays against Zeke is if you look at the Cowboys, how their roster is constructed, we all know about their offensive line. Mm-hmm. Go back to 2017 when Zeke missed six games in the middle of the season. From week 10 to week 15 in 2017, those weeks the Cowboys averaged 121 rushing yards per game. Their entire rushing yard average for the season per game was 104. Right, and if you remember, those were, that was the combination of what Darren Fadden and Alfred Morris, right? Who right. just were carrying the freight for them. Fresh and, legs on pretty much every down. And then even if you go back before Zeke was drafted with DeMarco Murray, mm-hmm. he had a phenomenal year behind that offensive line. Like, the Eagles ruined him. That's correct, then the Eagles ruined him. <laughs> that's exactly what we did. That Chip Kelly ruined him, yeah. not the Eagles. But uh, I, I just think that running backs have so little leverage, and really it's kind of players in general, but... Running backs specifically, because their shelf life can be so short, it's like it's a really rough world about them. We had a whole episode kind of talking about it. Right. I don't know, and if I'm taking Zeke, it's probably in the second round. He's still, I still in my heart of hearts think he's coming back. I do. I, I do too. I, I, I can see it carrying into the regular season, but I, I do think he comes back. But to answer the original point and to, to aid on Matt Berry's point, I'm taking no risk guys with my first round pick pretty much right especially and, if i'm high like I'm, I'm not taking if there's any kind of risk any kind of question mark around you that i'm not doing that with with my first round pick you got to be now if i'm if i'm later rounds if you know if i get to the latter rounds and i'm and i'm comfortable with how i feel my wide receiver picks and my tight end picks and, and all those other uh, areas then if zeke is still there then yes i'm taking him right i don't As know maybe he, a running I, back two or depending on what kind of league you have of flex you know and, and here's the thing is that you can still, like, if you take Zeke, that's okay, but then that you 100% have to make sure you get his backup, which is, I believe, going to be yeah. Tony Pollard, who's a rookie. Um, you have to make sure you get that guy. You gotta like, get that handcuff. You like, gotta get that handcuff. Right, with yeah. Le'Veon, it was, it was James Conner, and we all know how that turned out yeah. pretty well. So uh, and, and Zeke isn't the only, quote-unquote, risk that you could take uh, in this year's fantasy. There's there's two other guys, too. Um, and we, we talked about this next guy in length last episode with Antonio Brown. And this is an even different type of risk. All these guys are different type of risks than injury risk. You have to evaluate them a little bit differently. Uh, for Antonio Brown, uh, I don't think he's going to end up being a top five fantasy receiver, but that's not from his health or his ability standpoint. I think the time that he's missed and is going to you know still miss with all this helmet grievance, um, I, I just don't think he has... That chemistry established with Derek Carr, who is a quarterback who needs 
that chemistry established with the receiver. He's not a good enough quarterback for you just to throw him in there and then start completing passes. And he's got a whole a brand new system to uh, work right. in through, a brand new offense. The receiving core and running backs are completely different. And, and that and point that you make about the new system, I think, is way bigger than people give credit. Yeah. Like, even even when you're looking Especially at a guy. A, a John Gruden, Chucky system. Like, that's not easy. Right. Have you I, heard some I, of the plays? I, did you see the one yeah, with, I think Chris it was Chris Sims, Sims yeah. or he couldn't recant the play like yeah. four straight times? Um, it, it's tough, but... There's even even without AB's psychotic acts, there are there's risk <laughs> entailed when you pick a guy who's on a new team. Odell Beckham, Le'Veon Bell, yeah. these are guys who they are good players and they probably, if remaining healthy, will be good guys. You just don't know where to project them because right. you haven't seen them in that setting yet. And the wide receiver position is not the running back position. Like I'm okay with passing on AB because the wide receiver position is so deep. Like if I truly wanted a running back in my first pick and I'm eighth, ninth, tenth pick. I might roll the dice and say, you know what, give me Zeke and just hope and pray that he comes back before week one. I'm okay with passing on Antonio Antonio Brown as my wide receiver one because there's so many other options there. Even if you wanted to jump that and go one of the one of the uh, the big trio at tight end, the Ertz, Kittle, or Kelsey, if you wanted to do that instead of Antonio Brown, I'd say you know that wasn't a bad choice because um, I believe the top wide receiver in fantasy and like the tenth wide receiver in fantasy were not separated by much at all. I don't know the exact numbers, but I don't think it was more than a couple points, maybe like two or three points in fantasy. Right. Per so game, yeah. yeah, so like it, it's it's you know it, you're really splitting hairs uh, at that at that point and like. Uh, so, you know, A.B. A- may be worth the risk, but as my wide receiver two and on. I don't think he's my wide receiver Yeah, one. And that, that's a good point. When you're, when you're looking at a fantasy draft, a lot of the value in which these guys won't be, you know, what their actual value is to their team, but more so the scarcity of the position. We talk yeah. about the tight end group, how there's three really good ones, after which kind of fall off a little bit. There's another second grouping that I like there. But, again, this is... Strictly talking about uh, in a fantasy perspective, because I think, you know, the Raiders are still happy they got AB. I was watching Hard Knocks last night. Gruden is, as we talked about last week, directly in AB's corner. They still love him. But from a fantasy perspective, like you said, there are other guys. Because in a not fantasy perspective, if I say, or he may not be top five, but he's still the sixth or seventh best receiver in the NFL, you go, I'll take that. There are a lot of teams who I will take that. But if I'm talking my, my first pick, you know, I, I probably want one of those guys who are sitting right there in the top five. Um, and it's I just don't know if A.B. is going to be that. Now, he he could surprise a bunch of people. But another factor that goes into this is wide receiver is not running back because wide receiver is a very dependent position. You have to, you're very dependent on your quarterback. And he's going to be undoubtedly you know, the, the first option if he comes in uh, and he plays. But it's still Derek Carr. Like, it's still... Like that, the person driving that offense—no pun intended—Derek Carr, person driving that. Oh, that's offense. a good one. You see what I did right there? That's good. See what I did? I know you like that, Jewel. It's okay. You can absolutely terrible. Gonna... <laughs> Just like David Carr got driven into the ground. But you don't have to piggyback off mine. No, I did though. You, but you can have your own. But I'm saying it's very dependent on how Derek Carr does. If Derek Carr is a, a terrible, a bad quarterback going into this season, or John Gruden's offense doesn't have a B getting the ball a bunch then that's going to drive his fantasy down. 100%. And when you look at that offense specifically, you mentioned all the factors. There are other guys, and, and specifically when you're talking about receiver versus running back, receivers have there. There's you know two or three other receivers on the field at the same time that that mm-hmm. guy's going to be on the field. Um, and if we are talking about Antonio Brown and you're worried about him missing some time, maybe someone who you would think about as a handcuff, which you don't really refer to receivers as handcuffs since, like I said, there's three of them on the field at the same time. Hunter Renfro is a guy who doesn't look the part one little bit, uh, but <laughs> he is. Ex- I, dude, I was watching some of these, this former Clemson Tiger. I know. Yeah, I know Matt Matt's doing jumping Matt jacks over there. Right. <laughs> but the way that this guy plays, like his hands and his route running are second to none. His and like, route running is amazing. I am always super impressed when you're a guy in the NFL, which is the most physical game out there, where you can get along without that high end physical ability. Um, Renfro is one of those guys. Well, because, you know, physicality, uh, athleticism, all that wavers over time. Technique does not. If you yeah. if you start with technique, with great technique, as your athleticism wears down, that's what you're going to be most reliant upon. So those guys that are crazy athletic right now but don't have the greatest technique, that's going to waver later in their careers. People like Hunter Renfro who are really good at technique early and, and don't have to worry about that when athleticism goes. They have that from the jump. And then there's one last person who's a really high at-risk person to draft in this year's 
in this in this year's upcoming fantasy uh, fantasy season, and that's Melvin Gordon from the Chargers. And I'm straight up just not touching Melvin Gordon. I'm just not doing it. Yeah. It could be round ten, and Melvin Gordon could still be there, and I'm I'm just not doing it because there's a huge chance he just doesn't play. Well, and that, that's what's so dangerous about him is that. He has, like, Zeke, at least there's, like, sparring back and forth. Right, there's Jared dialogue. There's dialogue. They're at least talking. Melvin Gordon, it came out today that he they, they haven't made any progress. Mm-hmm. They haven't made any progress whatsoever, which is, like, that's very reminiscent of the Lev Bell situation. Um, Melvin Gordon in the island somewhere getting a tan right now. I no, think it's he has ver- two very competent backups that I think he kind of boxed him into a corner yeah. himself into a corner because he has two very reliable backups. So and uh, two and two backups that the Chargers are willing to go like dog if you don't want to come to an agreement that's, that's okay yeah we yeah. got we got people that are take your spot like we're fine well and the, so Austin Eckler and Justin Justin Jackson are two of the guys. Uh, that I think you guys are referring to. Right, and this is not for fantasy's sake. This is for just the no, Chargers' just Chargers season. Chargers season. Yeah. Um, and Eckler has had fantasy success, actually. He was like one of our... He was the one on the countdown not too long ago. Yeah. It's like the only guy over two years to have 200 touches and five yards per carry, 10 yards per reception over those two years. Um, the only thing is that when you start to look and delve into <laughs> our guy, Austin Eckler, a little bit, is that he, without... When you're, when you're looking at without Melvin Gordon, he doesn't do too well. In the three games last year without Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler averaged just 3.2 yards per carry and 6.3 yards per reception, which is a sharp decline from his overall average that year, 5.2 yards per carry and 10.4 yards per reception. To right. me, if I'm looking at it from a fantasy perspective, like without Melvin Gordon, the guy who I go out and get is actually Justin Jackson. Um, well, think, if you were for fa- for fantasy, if you were to go after Melvin Gordon, what round would you take him? It would it would have to be like, like it would have to be one of the last ones, and I'm I'm pretty much filled up in everything, and it's like a what the hell kind of thing, right? Because because it's like a it's huge high risk, but it could end up being high reward, but it's not it's just not a high risk I'd be willing to take anywhere in the There's draft. There's other high risk you yeah, want to Yeah, I'd, I'd much in. rather yep. do a Zeke risk or an Antonio Brown. But in that same token, Jewel, if he's there at 10, 11, whatever round, and then all of a sudden they reach some kind of agreement, whoa, now I got one right, of the best well, backs in the league that, on my that, team all That of a is really the the interesting part of this, of this, with all the guys, is that they're going to drop because of this risk. Now it's upon you as an owner to determine where do I take these guys? Because just like you said, guess what? You take Melvin Gordon in the 10th round and he ends up coming back and he's still the same Melvin Gordon. You win your league. You win your league or you have the most coveted trade value. You hold, you swing this thing up in the air and say, who's giving me Travis Kelsey? Who's giving me uh, Devontae Adams? Because now I got Melvin Gordon. I know someone out there needs a running back. So I, I just look at Melvin Gordon though as like out of these three guys, he's easily the most risky. I'm still not touching him. I'm still not touching him. I probably don't touch him unless he's like my running back three or four in like rounds 10 or later. It's it's different per draft. But at that point, why not go get somebody who's a backup who for sure is going to play and could still get you some fantasy points instead of just wasting a roster spot on someone who probably like it's still probably won't play. Like it's like you said with Zeke, there's been stuff that maybe he inches towards. There's been dialogue. People have been talking. I haven't heard Melvin Gordon say a word. Like, I right. literally haven't heard Melvin Gordon. He hasn't tweeted. He hasn't put an Instagram picture. Like, Melvin Gordon hasn't said anything. It's almost he a little looks, suspect because he's trying to, like, lay low. You'd think exactly. he'd want to... Like he doesn't care. Bell. It's like he yeah. doesn't care. Like, like he doesn't like, like give last a shit year, at all. People, people were like, dude, Le'Veon Bell's not going to play because he does not care. Yeah. Like, he literally didn't seem to care. He's Melvin content Gordon, with holding out, which Melvin is same that Melvin Gordon said. So. First of all, I can barely focus because for, for all the viewers at home, you might have heard us <laughs> laughing a little bit. Stat, Stat Matt just put this photo of Hunter Renfro, I guess, at his college dorm at Clemson. We're going to have to figure out a way to, to show everybody at home. He's holding a bag of grapes. Of I mean, grapes. I'm sure if you just Google Hunter Renfro grapes, it'll probably come but up. But, like, it's to what your point. Stud. You said he doesn't look the part. This looks like, you know. He looks like a team manager. Yeah. <laughs> no, he legitimately looks like a team manager. He like, looks, he has no muscle definition. We'll put on our Twitter. Yeah, we'll put we'll, we'll, Go check the straight facts. He looks like he wants somebody Instagram. to slap the bag of grapes. Just slapping the okay. line, slapping the we're bag. We're going to go around the room right now, and we're going to say Hunter Renfro looks like blank. Jewel, Hunter Renfro looks, in this picture, Hunter Renfro looks like who? Like who, what what kind of person does Hunter Renfro look like to you right now? I like the the wine slap in the bag. Like he looks. I think like I'm the, just gonna say the wine slap in the bag <laughs> at a college party. He looks like Hunter Renfro looks like a leprechaun, kind of in this. <laughs> he has like the like partial balding to go. What did with you it. What did you type in to look uh, that up? I don't. 
Hunter Renfro grapes. Hunter Renfro grapes. Yeah. Dorm that you can count on good weed from. There you go. <laughs> there you go. To me, to me, he looks like the he, to me he looks like the the snitch sibling that says, "Who took my grapes?" And then he comes in and shows your mom. I, I found them. It was it was Jake who took your grapes. Like, that's that's Fucking what he <laughs> <laughs> that's All what right. it looks like to me. But who destroyed Alabama? Yeah, you know, that is that. That's the guy. Nick Saban sees that in his nightmares every night when he goes to sleep. That is hilarious, it's right terrifying. there. That is hilarious. But anyway, let's move on. All right, guys, let's keep talking football. But let's switch over from the pros to the college as the 2019 college football season kicks off this Saturday, which I am very excited for. Here's a fact for you: in the past 20 years, Clemson has finished either better or the same as their preseason ranking 65% of the time. This season, they are preseason ranked number one for the first time in school history with the rest of the AP top 10 as follows. Number one, Clemson, which is the first time in school history. They are the preseason number one as stated above. Number two, Alabama. Three, Georgia. Four, Oklahoma. Five, Ohio State. Six, LSU. Seven, Michigan. Eight, Florida. Nine, Notre Dame. Woo, good Notre Dame. Ten, Texas. Do you know I was a Notre Dame fan? I didn't know you were noted. I, I heard the little woo. I didn't know you were. My Notre dad Dame's was Notre Dame. Okay, mm-hmm. I was about to ask why. Yeah. I was about to ask why. Yeah, For why. college, it's different. It like is, I, yeah. I don't really, I don't really. I say, went to St. Joe's. They didn't have a football team. Right. Matt, Matt's a, a Clemson fan, but he went to West Virginia first, and then Westchester. As long as you're not a Penn State fan. Dad went to Clemson. I'm kind of a Penn State football fan. I'm kind of. How'd you like that whooping the Temple put on him a few years ago? I said kind of. Okay. So not really, mar- not really married to him. But like college is different because you know, it's not really based on where. Well, you're from. out of that list, guys, what are your initial thoughts to these preseason rankings? I mean, I think obviously Clemson's got to be number one. I, it's really hard for me to see Clemson not repeating um, as national champions, at least not being the favorite to do so. I mean, they they got. To me, the best quarterback in the country as a true sophomore, Trevor Lawrence, who absolutely destroyed Alabama in the title game. Um, I actually low key want the Buccaneers to like tank for the next two seasons. To get he's, the number dude, one he's, he's a guy like, I really like, and it's funny because he looks sunshine. like he looks just like sunshine, it's just like him. It's ridiculous. He could be a shampoo model. Yeah, <laughs> he could be a shampoo model. He, could, he, he might take a spot in the head and shoulders. Matt with the one liners yeah, back there. He's, he's doing good today. Um, but going back to Clemson, there they got Trevor Lawrence. They come in with a top five um, receiving core ranked in the preseason. Uh, Dabo Sweeney really seems to have uh, Nick Saban's number. Uh, it, at, at Alabama in the past three seasons, winning two of the last national championships. And also, Alabama has allowed 35-plus points in only six games since 2015. Three of those are against Clemson. Yeah. And, like, they, they've been destroying. And, like, they're, they're going to run through the ACC again. I really don't see who's, like, the next best team in the ACC. Like, Miami? Maybe? I don't, Louisville's fuck, not Louisville's Don't, not don't get me started on Miami. Don't go down that road. I'm still mad at Manny Diaz um, for what he oh, did to Temple. Yeah, that, don't get—we don't even that, want to open up the Miami that, door. That is a. That um, is a but, but but for a storyline that I'm looking at is how will Justin Fields fit in at Ohio State? Yeah, sure. I, and especially what will be interesting is if Georgia and Ohio State somehow end up matching up in the playoffs and a high leverage game like that, high intensity game. Um, and I also really like J.K. Dobbins. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, Urban Meyer lost. Is best quarterback, best receiver, Paris Campbell, Dwayne Haskins, uh, Mike Weber to the NFL. You're now going to have to cycle in some new guys. And look, that this is not yeah, any but, but Dobbins, stranger to that. Dobbins, there was a, a couple weeks last season. I think it was like weeks through, like seven through ten, the, the latter part of the college football season, where Dobbins and Paris Campbell were like tink, tink, like tit for tat on the field, even game for game. One was breaking out one game. And Paris Campbell was another game, and then Mike Weber would throw in some of his too. Like I was saying, had a bunch of weapons last year, so I think I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be just fine there at Ohio State. He's going to emerge as as someone great. But the Justin Fields point is a, is a good point. Well, and and I also see. his his team that he left is a really good team yeah. as well. They've had a really Georgia that is has had a very good potent running attack for the past couple years. And we'll talk about DeAndre Swift a little more. He's mm-hmm. a local product out of Philadelphia, so I really like him as a person, as a player, uh, and I think he's going to get a chance to shine this year. But Jake Fromm, I, I, I'm i going to have my eye on him as well, what right. he does. Who I'm glad to see in the top ten is Texas. Texas football is back. People say that college football is at its best when Texas is good, and I think that's, you know, that's kind of a true statement. They're, uh, you know, a, a blue blood program in college football. Jared Ellinger is... is 
or Sam Ellinger, I'm sorry, is going to be you know one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the country coming in this season. So it's good to see Texas at back at number ten. I think they're going to be a very good team. Who I'm tired of, and I'm jumping off the wave, and I'm not like I'm, I'm tired of relying upon them and relying upon this coach is Michigan. I, I've Ooh. I've loved Michigan in the past like two or three seasons. Wanted them to go to the college football playoff. Loki thought they should have went two or three seasons ago, but. They're a team, and Jim Harbaugh has been a coach that loves to get to the mountaintop. They butcher the big games, though, yeah, dude. Man. They butcher like, big games. Or, or they will win a big game and then completely blow it. Beat yeah. Ohio State and then lose to it's, Iowa or lose so to Purdue. Or, to, like, you know, or, you know, is, beat Penn State. Or to me, it's super cringy because, like, Harbaugh is, like, the most rah-rah. Yeah, we're going to mess you up. We're going to mess you up. Oh, yeah, you lose every big game, buddy. Okay? Yeah. How about you stop with the rah-rah stuff? How about you become a little bit better of a coach? That's why you got bounced out the NFL. Wow, Jake. I don't like hard, I don't like that. Wow, Jake. <laughs> I like the other hard, hard ball. I, I mean, I, I think he, I don't like to hate him, but you seem to dislike him as a person. I don't dislike him as a person. I, like, I dislike him a little bit as a person. Kind of I don't dislike him as a person. Uh, I think he's he's my type of coach in the sense that he's all for his players. He's high energy. He's very optimistic, and he's very motivational. But that only, right, that only gets you so Here's far. Here's what I do like. I do kind of like that he's like a little bit of a gimmicky type guy. He's sleeping over the uh, recruit's house. I think it was like last year he was having like a slumber party yeah. with one of his like big old linemen he was trying to recruit. Like, he's, all right, that's he, cool. He, he does. Uh, he's he's all for like the social media stuff. He's he's there to to, to hype up his players. But when it's time for for game time and X's and O's, he doesn't really he hasn't hasn't gotten done in big games. You said it. I, I think the Wolverines though they need to really come out hot just because their biggest competition probably are the Buckeyes in the Big Ten. Yeah. So it's and they they always come out hot. I but think Penn State is a sleeper. They're at like 15, I think. So I, I, that's a team that can if you're at 15 and you start out with some easy games, get some good wins because college football rankings, a lot of college rankings is not only like that you win, but it's how you win. So if you win very impressively in the first couple of weeks and some people lose some games, then you see Penn State slide up to that near top 10 era. And then now all of a sudden Michigan has a has a top 10 game, which they love to blow. So right. and that's that's interesting to see. Um, another team I think we got to be on the lookout for is that University of Florida team mm-hmm. uh, with Dan Mullen down there. They have Dan Mullen has them playing great football, and they're really high on their quarterback, Felipe Franks, who's coming back as a junior. That has to be like a top three name. In Felipe all of Franks. college sport, like, all right, Felipe, but then you got Franks as the last name, a nice just brunt last name. Double F. I can't really explain it, but it's pleasing to hear uh, right. off off the tongue. And he's he struggled in you know some of his games. Really, his his freshman year, um, he looked really good except for the back half of his freshman year. But they came in in his sophomore year. I had a really good season, and only there were only two games last year. Felipe Franks had a QBR of under one hundred. Which is, yeah, it's is very, very impressive. Good. It's very impressive. impressive. Yeah. Won their last four games and then beating, guess who? Michigan <laughs> in their bowl game, destroying Michigan, which is kind of the, the cherry on top of this whole Dude, thing. Dude, the SEC is so sick. Though. Yeah, they're gross. Like, you got Florida, who's just like a kind of like throw in, like, oh yeah, we got Florida too. Yeah, who is the number 18 in the country, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess they can't be a throw in when they're sitting at number right. eight, but I don't know. They're not the first team that comes right. to mind. Four SEC teams in the top 10. Uh, another note uh, Notre Dame, Texas, Florida, Ohio State, and LSU have finished is worse or same than the preseason rankings at least 70% of the times in the past 20, 20 seasons. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you guys this. Of those teams, and that's that I just named, of Notre Dame, Texas, Florida, Ohio State, or LSU, all in the top 10, who do you think finishes worse? If you had to bank on one finishing worse than their preseason um, rank. Um, I don't know. LSU is the one that jumps out to me personally. Same. I don't. They, they've struggled a little bit um, with some shaky performances and big games as well, I, I don't know. It's tough because like you never, like but you said, L- you never know what ha- what could happen in the beginning of the season. I but. mean, last year LSU would they end up losing to Bama twenty nine nine or something like that? Right. But most of that game was close. Uh, the one that jumps out to me is Notre Dame being that major independent. I'm sorry, Jewel. But <laughs> I think Ohio State. You don't Ohio, think Ohio, Ohio State, State? I mean, Ohio State is is they have some pretty like tough competitors. Got, I mean, right. Big Ten so, might like. be one of yeah. the best. Is going to be one of the best conferences in the country again. But Notre Dame plays that in that major independent schedule. It seems like every week Notre Dame is playing a top 25 team like they have a tough schedule every single week in yeah, but they football. come equipped for it nine out of ten times i think you're speaking as a fan uh, <laughs> look at you little homer over there i think you're speaking as a fan a little bit there that's it'll be interesting okay. to see I mean, it's it's definitely obviously the best conference in all of college football right. but and then this saturday we started off with a banger i'm pretty sure it starts florida florida state mm. um 7 p.m on saturday so we get this college football season kicked off as you said joel so i'm 
I'm really excited for it. I mean, guys, staying with the college football, then, we all know the top two Heisman favorites will be Tua from Alabama with 3-2 to two odds and Trevor Lawrence from Clemson with 3-1 to one odds. Which player do you two think can sneak into the Heisman race as the third candidate? Uh, immediately, I want to say with the guy you were just harping on, Justin Fields at Ohio State. I mean, coming in, he was you know, so highly recruited and then just got beat out by Jake Fromm over there at Georgia and had to sit out of the year for, for transferring. Um, but, I mean, he's the guy who ultimately probably ran Tate Martell out of town because they they knew they were going to give the starting job to him when he, when he came. Um, and he's coming in with a very high potent offense um, with a, right, and a team that loves to score and a coach that loves to put the ball in the end zone. So I think Justin Fields coming in at, ta- at what is it, 9-1 odds? 9-1, to one, I, I think. think he's, I think he right now could be that third candidate. Yeah, I think... I'm going to stay with the quarterback position, but mm-hmm. I think Jalen Hurts transferring to Oklahoma, 10-1 to 1 odds. He's a guy who's proven that he can compete with the best of the best. Yeah. And when you look at Lincoln Riley, I mean, that, that's turning into Heisman U down there for the right. quarterback position. Um, and he fits the mold. He does. He fits that Baker mold. He fits Johnny Manziel, if you want to go back that far. Um, and I just and think not that they, as, maybe not as elusive and dynamic as Baker and Kyler Murray, but, but he has some ability to him. Yeah. Still a dual threat, and we can remember last year in the in the playoff when he had to come in for Tua when Tua got that ankle injury, and he came in and saved the game for Alabama. And Nick right. Saban was so high on him, and he said, "This kid works. This kid didn't just jump ship. He got his job taken from him, but stayed here, did what he needed to do, and stayed ready for the big moment. Stayed ready for the big moment, and was ready." Uh, for Alabama when Alabama called his card and when they needed him, um, so yeah, I I don't I don't at all I don't, I don't disagree with that pick at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we want to get away from the quarterbacks, there's two running backs that are very very good in college football. Don't have the best odds to win the Heisman, but I think as the season goes on, you'll see that jumped up a lot. The first is uh, the local the local product out here at Philly out of St. Joe's Prep, DeAndre Swift. Like this kid is amazing. And in the past two seasons, he was supposed to be the feature back in Georgia and then got hit with Sony Michelle and then Elijah Holyfield Jr. last year. But this season finally comes in as probably, not probably, finally comes in as the feature back and most likely won't get that job taken from him. And we're going to see DeAndre Swift do some dynamic things. Yeah, and when you look, so like really it's going to be a numbers game because I think talent, he's the best running back that's going to be coming out next year. Um and maybe that's a little biased, but I just I just really like what he can do uh, with both catching the football and running the football. If you extrapolate his stats, stats out, he averaged 6.8 yards per carry, uh, and that's in his entire career. Like, that's, gets, a mat, like that's so good. But like, that's he, so good. If he gets 250 carries, that's like you're looking at like 1,700 yards. And then I did the math. If you look at his touchdowns per touch, so both receiving um, and running the ball, I factored it at about maybe he gets – 300 total between catches and rushes. You're looking at about 17 touchdowns. Um, so that might put him, you know, maybe that puts him up in the Heisman candidate. That That's one of the running backs. Who is the other running back that you were thinking the of? The other running back is for also from Clemson and the ACC, and that's Travis Etienne. Comes in at 30 to 1 odds, um, but he, he fits the non 21 or better trend. Um, he doesn't have this, you know, huge expectations that Trevor Lawrence has, which might make him go under the radar uh, a little bit, um, but he's still, you know, going to be very dynamic. Uh, had 1,658 rushing mm. yards on 8.1 yards per carry last season and that's with an offense that had so many weapons had Wayne Gallman had so many weapons last year uh for um for Clemson so that's that's a guy who still uh, is well here's so good here's my thing with Etienne is he's going to be in contention with his own teammate yeah so I I just don't I don't see... even know Matt we might need a fact check on that when's the last time the Heisman race came down to two people on the same team is that even has that even ever um, happened? Bush and Matt Liner. And Matt Liner. Matt so we Liner. have to go back to 05 for that And Reggie happen. Bush was like out of Running this away. world yeah, yeah. like crazy. Away better. Which I think Trevor Lawrence might be out of this world crazy just at the quarterback position. I, I really like ETN as well. He's a guy who at the NFL level can can do some damage. Yeah, um, but you make a good point about him being with Trevor Lawrence because if, if I'm Davo Sweeney and I'm Clemson, I want the ball in Trevor Lawrence's hands as much as possible. Um, so it might diminish the running game a little bit. Right. But we'll see. And, and when you look at guys who are 20 or 1 or, or better, or I guess it would be worse odds, mm-hmm. um, since 2009, only two players with 20 or 1 preseason odds or better won the Heisman, that being Mariota in 2014 and Mayfield in 2017. So it usually is a guy around that range who sneaks up there. Um, but uh, and, and just, again, another point on running backs versus quarterbacks, which we just talked about. 
16 of the last 19 Heisman winners have been quarterbacks. Yeah. I'm thinking it's Trevor Lawrence. If I had to put money on someone, I'm putting it on Trevor oh, Lawrence. Oh, 100% put it on Sunshine. Not going to be very profitable, but... but it does we'll, look like Sunshine. He looks exactly it? like Sunshine. Yeah. Like, it looks like... He looks like he's about to grab a ball and hit Bertier in the back of the head with it. Like, <laughs> it, it really looks exactly like him. Um, but, I mean, we also see the Heisman race change so much from week to week. I mean, really, the top guy doesn't really ever fall out, but we see guys, um, you know, get mixed in in that second and third slot all the time. And so, don't. I mean, there's some there's some lower end quarterbacks. The quarterback out of Houston, um, you know, could, could Derek up, King or something. Yeah, he Derek had a, King. He had a really good year last year before he tore his ACL. Especially players who play in in lesser conferences. Like I know they're valued less because they play in. What know, do you mean? The, the you know the what American. The American. What do you mean? That's a, that's a Power Six conference, James. No, you can't. You, you should read the, twi- the Twitter. You make that up. Like it's not. It's five P6. Power Conference. It's a, it's partially a joke P5. because there there will be people who are at Temple who will be like, oh, what do you mean that Temple should be the American should be a Power Conference? The American, I can say as a Temple fan, that's that's a complete joke. The, te- the American should Is not. Too, isn't like Tulane in your conference? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's not talk. So, all right, like don't that. sit here and beat up the American, all right? Like, don't, you have, don't you have teams like that? All right, guys, ra- wrapping it up with the college football, let's speak some facts. Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield said in reference to the Giants selecting Daniel Jones fifth overall, I can't believe they drafted him. I'm still mind blown. Some people overthink it. That's where they go wrong. They forget you've got to win. <laughs> oh, jeez. Is he speaking facts? Uh, I think he might have forgotten that him and Daniel Jones have the same amount of winning seasons, right. the same I, amount I of playoff him, wins. I was about he to say, you probably love him because he's an asshole, yeah. right? He's a big-time douchebag, but he has some likability to him. I, I think don't dislike him. He, he came out and, and actually said this was taken out of a larger quote. Um, of in, course it is, Baker. We are the media. <laughs> that is what we do. In, in which he ended up praising, yeah, but you don't have to twist it like that. I don't know. I don't think, here's the thing. Here's did Here's anybody twist it? He I said think that. He kind of he said it right. He for this instant ins, wow. instance instance <laughs> he he said it and it was realistically it was kind of shitty. But yeah. like at the same time, I have seen him like stick up for himself on multiple occasions, and I right. think he kind of does that over a lot of people, which is why I respect him. Well, mm-hmm. here, here's the thing: is that is he wrong? Should they have taken him fifth? No, that's what I'm saying. Six no. wherever he went. No, I'm no, still, they should not have. I'm still mind blown. They took him. The rest of the 31 NFL teams are still mind blown that they took him fifth overall. Like you like him, fine. Take him in the second or third round right. and take a you know future Hall of Famer with the fifth pick or with top end pick. Um, I, I just think that some of it comes off as almost like Eagles 2012 dream teamist or Ronnie Brown of all, or Vince Young of all people is like we're a dream team. First off, Vince Young. You're old and washed up. Second off, you really shouldn't be talking like that if you haven't won anything. They what have what have the Browns won? Nothing, but Baker is saying win in college. Baker won in college. Baker I won guess. a lot in college. Baker won a lot in college. Baker also what, got kicked off his team in college. Yeah, and then went to another program and won. Right, I'm just saying. And won a conference championship, almost won a national championship. So like he he did he did win a lot in college. And for quarterbacks, it's different. Like I you could say, well, you know. You know, the, even if they don't play for you know big time programs, Carson Wentz, for example, Carson Wentz won a lot in college, like right. he, he two national championships under his mean, belt. So, like, I think he's right in the standpoint of I got to see my quarterback win and will people, uh, you know, especially in a in a conference in college football that's not crazy in the ACC. Like, yeah, I got to see mean, you do something. It's a different sport, and I know you're about to rail me for it. You but, can't because you always do this. You can't bring arguments in a different sport. What are you going to say? You already know who I'm about to compare him to. Someone who got picked number one overall who didn't win in college would be one Mr. Ben Simmons. And look how low Ben Simmons' ceiling is. Joel, let's move on. Oh, that's I sick. mean, <laughs> <laughs> Sixers again. Mm. Uh, okay, so Royce White, a member of the enemies of the big three leagues, said, how can LeBron let his, this is hilarious, banana boat buddy sit out there in the wings and then go <laughs> sign Jared Dudley, boo, and not Carmelo. Melo is absolutely being blackballed by the league. Is he speaking facts? You, you want to talk about you got to win something in order to talk? Who the hell is Royce White? Does anyone know who that is? I do. You want to know why? Because there's a story, and the reason he's not in the NBA, he can't fly on planes. He's terrified of them. My man's literally, literally could not get on an airplane, and because of that fact. But the big three league travels. Probably in buses. Um, or at least he does. I, well, you I know. I can tell you for a fact non, that man's not your getting Your non-flying, septo-riding ass out of here and stop talking about my man's LeBron because that's where you. That's where you messed up. You want to drag LeBron into this? No, he's not speaking facts because you no. Know, everyone jokes and says, "Oh, LeBron's one of the best GMs in the league." LeBron, but 
LeBron is not actually a GM, Royce White. So LeBron can go to the Lakers and say, I want Carmelo. Carmelo should be on this team. And they can look at LeBron and say, we are not going to sign Carmelo, especially for Carmelo Anthony, who still, who still refuses to come off the bench. Right, well, would you start him? I think Carmelo actually came out and said, look, I'll come off the bench if that's specified beforehand, which is ridiculous. You're, you're getting specified paid. right now. You should be able to be, if the guy comes to you midseason saying, hey, you're not performing like you thought we thought you would be, you're on the bench. You got to say okay, especially because there's no role. Tell me someone who fits the mellow role in the NBA right now of generally unathletic, non-defensive playing, purely three-point shooting ball hog. Right. And here's what we have to get away from is being desensitized to the word blackballed. Just because all 32 teams don't want you, it does not mean you're being blackballed. Right. For what? For what? For what? They for don't want you. basketball. Yes. They don't want you for a reason. And, dude, I love Melo. Like, I, I love the player Melo has been. He's done a lot for the game of basketball, did a lot for the New York Knicks and the Denver Nuggets. But does Melo deserve a legitimate big-time role on a contending team in the NBA? No. So sorry, Royce White. You don't have to go back to the enemies or whatever big three league you're talking about. Go take a bus from one side of the country to the other, no, but true. leave LeBron's name out your mouth. I picture him biking across the country. Yeah, whatever yeah. he's doing. Probably in decent shape. He might be able to pull that off. But whatever. Whatever, though. All right. All right, guys. On to the next. Carolina Panthers safety Eric Reed said, in reference to Jay-Z's new partnership with the NFL. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Jay-Z claims to be in support of Colin Kaepernick. Now he's going to be a part owner, and it's kind of disgusting. Is he speaking facts? Why don't you take this one away? You want to take? You want me to take it away? I do. I'm yeah. gonna. I'm gonna take it away. Go yes, ahead, ahead, it is. It is disgusting because I can't stand Kaepernick. I can't stand Kaepernick. So why is Jay Z getting a part ownership? Disgusting. No, it's not disgusting that he's getting the part that he supports. Kaepernick is disgusting. I think. Oh, well, I don't. I don't yeah. think that's. I talked about how excited I was last week. About, right. No, like that. I, I'm one. I don't think that's what he's saying. I mean, whether you think Jay Z should support, right, Colin I think Kaepernick. he's saying that he no longer supports Kaepernick because he's an NFL owner, which is a little ridiculous. This is not. That's not what he's saying at all. One, isn't it Eric Reed who chooses to play in the NFL? Right. He chooses. Who chooses that himself? Correct. Is it not Eric Reed who chose to join the the Carolina Panthers, a team who not yeah. three or four years ago was li- labeled the most racist team in the NFL? Did Eric racist Re- owner? Yeah. Did Eric Reed not choose to join that franchise? Oh, I'm well, sorry. He's a bit. It, He's a businessman. It doesn't. It, it, why should it matter if he's in support or not support of him? Right. Is the point of that? And here's and here's what people have to realize about what Jay Z is doing from the NFL. You can only bark and order people to make change from the outside for so long, and it's not going to happen. Jay Z now has his foot in the door of the NFL to actually try and evoke change. So my question to Eric Reed is, what are you doing to help invoke change in the NFL? Also, what, like what, like what, what, what policies are you about to implement? What things are you about to change in the front office? Because Jay Z came out and said we are past kneeling, and people took that as we no longer care about, care about Colin Kaepernick. I don't believe that's what he was saying. What he was saying is if we stick to the Colin Kaepernick is kneeling, this is what we're doing. He's being blackball- blackballed. We will know. We will not move on from that. If that is still the focus of what we're doing. We will not ever, nothing's going to change if that's all that we're doing. So instead of taking a knee, like, why don't we actually try to get into the NFL and try to invoke change? Nothing's going to, like, I I love Kaepernick for bringing attention to something that should have been brought attention to a while ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm 100% on his side. And I am also 100% on the side of Jay-Z and saying, now we have to move past it to action. What are we doing? What are we going to get in the NFL and say, this policy and this policy and this policy needs to be changed? Eric Reed, you taking a knee on the sideline and barking at Jay-Z is not changing anything. Plus, Sorry, from, buddy. from a legal standpoint, the NFL also settled with Kaepernick for the alleged collusion, gave him a settlement that, legally speaking, is over with. I can only see it as a positive of having someone, uh, you know, I think the NFL needs more owners of color, and this is a move in the right direction. Right, so. and and look, I, I understand. I, I guess I, I, I don't agree with Eric Reid at all, but I guess what he's saying is, like, you know, what 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 is... Jay-Z is kind of like, if you want to call him an Uncle Tom, like he's kind of copping out with the NFL uh, instead of being hard, wholeheartedly against them. You know, he, he came out in his song and said, you know, I said no to the Super Bowl. You need me. I don't need you. But now he's quote unquote 
switching up. I don't think it's anything of a switch up. Um, now, you know, if, if Jay-Z now being a part owner of the NFL, being head of the social justice team um, and the entertainment team, if he now wants to go and extend that reach to somebody and bring in someone from the NAACP, bring somebody in from the Color Actions Committee, then he's able to do that now. But you're not able to do that if you're not part of the NFL. And what I think the NFL is more focused on is changing what they can change, which is a narrow-minded focus, but it's what the NFL does. Change what we do on the field. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, Jay-Z, if Jay-Z is in there influencing more, maybe we get more black owners. Maybe we get more black GMs, more black coaches. What's interesting and that changes to me what the NFL does. is how, I mean, obviously he's going to speak up. We've all seen him do it on multiple occasions. President Trump's probably going to speak out about this. But th- th- this is where it gets interesting. I wonder if Kanye's going to say anything because he's buddies with Trump now, but he has beef with Jay-Z still. So it's one of the, what do you, what what do we think about that? It's, it wouldn't surprise me well, if Kanye said here, something. Here's what it. I was actually going to say, but I uh, sided against it because I don't think that it's necessarily in the same breath, but it's similar. Jay-Z's were past kneeling and people's reaction to that was similar and way better stated than Kanye's comments when he said, "Oh, slavery was 400 years ago." I think, granted, me trying to think what Kanye West is thinking is a bold venture, but I think Kanye was trying to get across a similar message. That's the only Kanye interweaving that I could see here. Um, Kanye isn't a dude who really likes the media, so I doubt that he'll come out and speak out unless it's on Twitter, which he kind of doesn't use anymore, so I don't know. It's whatever. All right, guys, we're going to bring it down to the countdown. Number five. Number five, the number of all-star teams Josh Hamilton made while with the Rangers. We're kind of bringing Josh Hamilton out of the blue right here, but it, it, it comes with four. Like, let's not ever forget the beast Josh was, Hamilton was for was like a five-year stretch. He was just inducted to the Rangers there, Hall of Fame. There you go. There's the relevance. Um, and, which I was, like, surprised at, and then I looked it up, and this dude batted, like, 1044 OPS, uh, 360 hitting one year or batting average one year like that's pretty sick he was an absolute beast and who can ever forget his record at the time record setting round in the home run derby in Yankee Stadium in 08 yep. 28 yep number four the number of centers picked number one overall that LeBron will have played with if the Lakers signed Dwight Howard that being Shaq Greg Oden Anthony Davis and then Dwight Howard would be, would be the fourth he played with Oden on what Miami when, yeah. when Oden tried to make a comeback I mm-hmm. think so uh, he's really only playing with one of these guys in their prime. And yeah, Shaq was old as dirt when he really played with, old, with yep, the Cavs. Yep, yep. Um, so, right, Anthony Davis is the only one. And people, some people say Anthony Davis might be out of his prime, too. It's LeBron. But I, That's crazy. Might no, play not. with no one in his prime. I don't, I don't yeah. This is Greg Oden. I'm so sorry. <laughs> number three. The number of Heisman winning running backs since 2000. We harked on this earlier. That's Reggie Bush, Mark Ingram, and Derrick Henry. Um, and I, we said it earlier. I don't think a running back is going to win it. Uh, win it this year. And you got to be as dynamic as these three running backs, who may be one of the three of the most dynamic running backs in college football history. You got to be that dynamic as a running back to win a Heisman Trophy. I don't hard know if that's do. happening this year. It's hard to do. Number two. The amount of defenders thrown at Devin Booker in a pickup game oh, here we go. this week. Uh, there was a viral clip on Twitter, on social media, of Devin Booker getting doubled in the corner, and then he goes, this is what we do. We're not doing that. We're not doubling an open gym. And Joakim Noah is yelling, yes, we are. Yes, we are, which is maybe the most Joakim Noah thing of all time. Okay, who do you agree with? Tell I got to agree with Devin Booker. Like, Dude, I know that you're some, like, grinder trying to make a NBA roster, Joakim Noah, but don't be... First off, you're going to double-team me. You better come over here and double me yourself. You better <laughs> right. not just be standing in the paint. First off, go, 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 double him. Like, come on. Like, okay, but I do understand what he's saying, because Devin Booker's next comment was, I get this shit during the regular season. Let's work on our game. And Joakim Noah said, it is part of the game. So, in that sense, Devin Booker, if you get it all the time in the regular season... Shouldn't you be working on it a little bit? Because well, you're legit the only good player on the Suns right now. Hey, Aiden's good. Um, but he was he he actually later responded to Gilbert Arenas, I think, kind of reached out on Instagram with a long paragraph saying about why he shouldn't have said that, Devin Booker, that is. And Booker said, look, like, the right play there is to pass out of the double team. Like, 10 times out of 10, there's 4-3 and three advantage. This is open gym where everyone's trying to get their own looks. Like, why, why are you allowed to get your looks? Because you stink. And I can't get my looks in this open gym where it's really all just about getting... I don't know. It's really, I guess, what you're there for, which Joakim Noah, he's not a superstar. He's there to... Work on the little nuances of the game. Right, yeah. nuance, which I guess there's not a ton of nuance in those runs. I don't right. know. I don't all right, know. guys, let's bring it down to number one. Number one is the number of players hit 11 home runs in their first 18 games. That's... Uh, I'm sorry if I pronounce this, this name wrong. 
Aristides Aquino, mm -hmm. correct, from the Reds. Um, he's, yeah, that is a little tongue twister, but he's another one. We talked about rookies in the MLB earlier uh, earlier in the season, uh, this season in Straight Facts, and he is one that came is— out of, Well, he, he, he's recent, too. He came out of very nowhere. Very recent. Very recent, came out of nowhere, but he falls into the category of all these rookies, rookies who are coming in slugging the ball crazy, um, and he's coming out of nowhere so again. this dude, as of last night, uh, I believe he has 19 hits, 11 are home runs. He went 0 for 6 to start. Since then, he's hitting like, I mean, he's just hitting everything, everything. Yeah. So he, what, what, what a start for that young guy. Yeah, that's that's amazing. But uh, almost out of time, uh, but we can get some shots up at the buzzer. Jewel, do you have anything to say at the buzzer? I do. So I actually got an update from Bleacher Report last week when we were filming. I wanted to save it till this week. Aaron Rodgers would like to cut game beer prices at Lambeau to help oh, fans yeah. get as loud that's, as possible. You know I'm about that's that. That's all y'all cheeseheads need is lower beer prices so you can get drunker at God the forbid games. someone said that about like the Eagles fans. No, because you have like, forming a deadly it is. weapon. It is. That's feeling the oh, fire. No, God. you can't. No, you y'all don't deserve it. So you stop chucking beer cans at people. Yeah, how about over there in L.A. where they kill people outside yeah. of the stadium? That's never happened in Philly. Yeah, it's bad. That we know of. <laughs> Jake, everything to say to the buzzer? Uh, so I was watching the UFC event on Saturday. It was a phenomenal card. Uh, the, uh, Nate Diaz returned to the mm -hmm. octagon. Uh, Daniel Cormier, who I thought was going to win, ended up getting knocked out Got by Stipe Miocic. And then Yoel Romero uh, ended up fighting Paulo Costa, who's a Brazilian fighter, knockout artist. This big, like one of the most cut humans, both of them, I've ever seen in my life. I found it weird. Costa was like coming up, they all have their walk-in songs, and he's walking in to Dream On by Aerosmith. And like, singing That's along to it. Like, Absolute singing, banger. like, pointing to the crowd. It's a banger, but like, I'm not about it's to like, listen to that it's to like, go fight. It's like the Patriots going to the Super Bowl to Crazy Train. Crazy Train. So, really? all right. So, uh, let me ask you, what would be your, if you were in the UFC and you're about to go fight, what would be your walk-in song? Okay. My walk-in song would be, I, I got a couple of them. It'd either be No Worries by Wayne. Mm. I just that that's one of the songs that just gets that me. That was um hyped. that was Daniel Cormier's actually. Yeah, there you go. It's one of the songs. Or right me. above it. One I would two. be I Lose know. Yourself, Eminem. Lose, Lose Yourself. That's a good, a good one. one. Good one. Or Move, Bitch by Ludacris. Yeah, oh, mine would one. be Annie Up, which is really a hype song that to is, go in and beat someone up to. Yeah. I can never. Any song that makes me want to beat somebody up. Maybe Dreams. Ooh, Dreams and Nightmares by Meek. How we missed that one? Ooh, Mr. Philadelphia Eagles over there. <laughs> okay. Oh, I got him, Jim. Cool. It's, uh, my at the buzzer is this. So every Sunday, uh, I go home and have dinner with, with my mom and her side of the family. It's very good. I, I, I enjoyed it. It's very precious. I'm a young gentleman. Um, and every week, pretty much every week, my little brother has questions for the dinner table. We call them EJ's question of the day. And last week, my little brother EJ, shout out to him, posed a very good question that had literally my entire dinner table stumped, and I couldn't wait to bring it on here to see what you guys thought of it. He asked, and it's a little melodramatic, so prepare yourself. He asked, would you rather be the only happy person in the world or the only sad person in the world? Damn. So, yeah. This is this so is, is that's so nine, messed up. It's a nine-year-old kid, and we were like, "EJ, are you okay?" But no, but it's and it literally, we thought about it. It was like, "What? Like what? Like look at you, Jewel stopped. Like what would you? What would you want?" I, I as. God damn it. Like, would you <laughs> yeah. would you rather be the only happy person everybody else around is you is sad? Is for a personal reason or for, like, a world or, like, a world overall? Because if you... Personal, like, personal. Uh, for, I mean, uh, whichever, whichever, yeah, because, way, whichever way you want to answer you're, it. You're uh, really... It's really morally bad. Depends how selfish you are. the entire yeah. world unhappy. I feel like you but, have to be the only Because then you'll become person. unhappy. But, here's the, but no, that's the point. You'll never become unhappy if you're the only happy person, but you'll never become happy if you're the only happy person. I understand people that say, I'd rather be the only happy person, because if I can't control it, then like... Why just sit there and be sad the whole time? I'm already an unhappy person, so like, <laughs> let's just get that. Everyone else can benefit. I'm already in the shitter, so... This just got Scott, really, yeah, really just, depressing. Yeah, after, can after I talk the, to EJ? Yeah. <laughs> after, after the show, Jake, we, we're going to have to go talk to somebody <laughs> after that. But that's all the time we have for this episode. It was a great one. Actually, before we end, happy birthday, Sixers legend Walt Chamberlain. R.I.P. It was his birthday today, R.I.P., one of Jake's favorite basketball players of all time. Um, but that's all the all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera for my partner, Joel Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. To my main man, Jake Galley. I'm James Jackson, and these have been the facts. Straight up. Take this Eagles jersey off me, bro. <laughs> <laughs>